0: Well, y'all, I'm excited today. I feel good today. had a good night's sleep. And um, listen, I'm going to be frank with you, okay? I know that we all go through personal seasons, and some are, some are happier than others. Some are more full of excitement than others. Some are just better than others. But I'm going to tell you something. Um, we need to be pursuing not only excellence in Jesus, but we need to be pursuing uh, the excitement that he is bringing to us as we venture into the kingdom. Amen. And as we begin to welcome new and different people into our congregation, we need to be excited about that. And when Janie was talking this morning about you know, pouring yourself out, you know what I found in my life? When I become stagnant. And this is coming right from the inside this morning. When I I become stagnant, and let's just just bear with me just a minute. When I become rebellious, and when I lose sight of the glory of Jesus in my life, and when I begin to focus on all the external stuff that the devil wants you to focus and grab hold of, when I do that, you know what? We can become hard and callous. But you know what? The, the best thing to do, she was talking this morning, we just need to, to just bow down and just pour all that putrefying, nasty stuff out. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be frank with you. I, I don't know, you know, this is just me, and I'm, I'm probably talking to myself. But we can't have the joy and the peace and the power that comes along with Jesus. If we're all, if, if, if we're not making room for him in our lives. A lot of times we, we, we've got this, a lot of times we have a, we, we have a foolish notion. Thinking that Jesus is going to do every single thing for us. He'll take care of all our stuff, including our bad attitude. Let me tell you something. You probably don't want Jesus taking care of, of something that's, that's, that's putrefying in your life. Because he'll do it, He'll buddy, when he pulls the plug, it's pulled. What Jesus wants us to do is in those times, when we need renaissance, and we're going to be talking a lot about renaissance, when we need renaissance, what He wants you to do is He just wants you to willingly, whether you feel like it or not, whether you think you can do it, start pouring all that poison out. Okay, Just start pouring it out. Because the poison and all that other stuff cannot coexist with Jesus. Because He won't have it. That's what I found in my life. Now, I don't know what works for you. Okay? But we're, we're, we're entering into, you know, the Jewish New Year just started, but we're we're entering, I just, I'm going to keep saying this until, until we get it. And a lot of you have got it already. We're entering into the most exciting, dynamic time in the history of this earth. And if, If God wants His people to be where they need to be and He wants us to be full of passion and desire and energy and love and He's doing that. If if that's His course in order that people might be saved, delivered in order that people just might be loved and be brought into a relationship with other people and with Him. If He's doing that and He's going to use that kind of person if we've got all this other stuff going on then then He's He's going to do it without us. I've come to the place to realize that Jesus is going to keep moving whether I move or not and I'm falling in love with him again yeah I am I'm falling in love with him again isn't that neat boy scares the snot out of some of you doesn't it you mean pastor hadn't been in love with Jesus well some days and some seasons I haven't been you know, we're just kind of transparent right here. I'm falling back in love with him again. <laughs> and I'll just stop there. <laughs> but listen, I'm telling you. And I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to say something, okay? This is what I see in the Spirit. And this is no disrespect to anybody here. Nobody here. And it's not, it's not a threat, okay? But this, this is what God's been showing me for about two months. And that is this, is that our ship, so to speak, is about to sail. It's about to sail. It's about to sail. I don't want to be left standing on the shore. Because... Makes no difference who I am. The ship's got a captain and he's ready to go. And I got to go on his terms. Okay? Does that mean I'm always perfect? Does that mean I got my act totally together? Of course not. But I, I got a captain. And I'm waiting on him to, to tell me what he's doing and where he has set. Course, you know, and I learned this from Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay? I did, you know, I, I, I learned stuff from movies like Pirates of the Caribbean. I like Captain Jack Sparrow. You know? One of the things I've noticed that Pirates of the Caribbean is when Barbosa or Sparrow or the Commodore or whoever it is or was who's commanding the ship when it's in the harbor and the anchor's down, before they move that ship, the captain has to give a heading. He has to say, Arr, mateys! <laughs> what was that? Hoist the sails! <laughs> Weigh the anchor! <laughs> Set a heading for Tortuga or whatever. You know? That's right. That's the way he communicates. And everybody knows where they're going. Listen, Jesus is about to sail. Don't you want to be on the boat? Hey, it'd be cool to go to Tortuga, wouldn't it? Cool to go to the Bahamas. I think we're headed in the right direction. <laughs> we are headed in the right direction. Now, probably what's going to happen is, the week or the weekend that we want to go, we may have to shut down ship here. Because everybody's going to want to go. You know? But anyway, I just thought I'd give you that encouragement. Jesus is good. He knows where he's going, and he's going. Bless God. So anyway, listen, I'm done. I'm going to quit. Anyway, I'm so excited this morning to have Stacy with us. Golly. I'm just so excited. And her mom... Come on Stacy. I just I gotta shut up. come on y'all welcome stacy. she's got something to say this morning and it 's all good. Let me get you a water okay, you okay. do you drink when you preach?
1: um sometimes <laughs> Sometimes I use a mic and sometimes i don't okay. um, sometimes well. i 'm too loud i don 't know we 'll no, see what happens. Too loud for us. Um, good, morning. Good, morning. good morning okay i 'm excited to be here, and it 's kind of funny because we just did the or the women 's prayer union just had retreat and um The whole time, like, I was the last speaker, and the whole time, I'm like, I wish these speakers would quit talking, because they're preaching my stuff. (laughs) So I come this morning, and Pastor's preaching my stuff. (laughs) So I know we're in the right vein. Um, Okay, a little bit about me. So some of you may remember, like, I'm the one who snuck in a couple years ago, and I would sit right back there in the back, and I just, like, nobody knows me here. I can worship quietly. And that never works because when you're in the work of God, everybody knows you because you all have the same spirit. And so I kind of become one with the family here. Um, and it's kind of cool because I'd be sitting back there and like the lights would be low and I'd be all in worship. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I love you. And Natasha from the keyboards would be like, you,
0: woman of God.
1: And then I'd do the most holy thing that anyone can do. <laughs> stop turning around, I'm talking to you, and then you're like, oh, and she prophesied over me from the keyboards, which was, I've never had that happen before, like, maybe two or three times, and it was always like, woman of God, the word of God is in your mouth, release it, and I'm thinking, like, right now, like, what are you talking about, or another time, she said, your roots are so deep in the word, and your roots are so deep in God, and that when you open your mouth, they'll be like, vines going out, and Wrapping around people, and I was like, that's cool. Like, I don't know what that means. And then to have a suddenly moment at the end of the conference, and David Staline goes, hey, the speaker can't come. Can you come? And I'm thinking, in and suddenly. <laughs> absolutely. Like, Natasha released that in Atmosphere years ago, and here I am today. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. Like, that's just wild. Like, that just blows my mind. So I did the most holy thing you can do when you have to prepare for an end suddenly. I went shopping for shoes last night, and I didn't find any shoes. And I went and played with my friend because she had an end suddenly. She's a foster mom, and three years ago, she adopted um, a little boy straight, basically, from the street. He had nowhere to go. And she's raised him from, like, birth, like, two weeks to now. And in suddenly... Like the Hakasa lady social work calls and says, His mother's given birth. He has a brother that's like a year old, he has nowhere to go, he's already he's ready to be like fostered out, or he was in foster, so he's ready to be adopted. Would you take his brother? And she's like, Well, absolutely. And we had just talked about a month ago whether she would or would not adopt. And so we're like, That's cool. And suddenly a month later, well, what she didn't realize is when she said yes to Matthew, baby number two, she was really saying yes to Christopher, baby number three, who was born premature, and so she has three babies within a matter of forty eight hours, not even forty eight hours not even twenty four hours and so and suddenly she's a mom of three, and so I'm like, that's amazing, but God does and suddenly all the time he does them all the time, and the thing is it all is they're all preceded with his word, and he gives a word and he says. What are you going to do with the word? Or how do you respond to the word? So my question to you this morning is this. How do you respond to God's end suddenly? And I was like, my mom had to calm me down just for a minute because you start talking about youth going overseas on missions. It's like, "Ah, that's my passion. Like, that's what I do. And I'm like, no, they have to be 16 and it's only for five years. Mom's like, stop it. They know. They already got this. I'm like, yeah, but it's amazing to see American youth go to another country and preach the gospel. And it sounds so simple because we're Americanized and we're churched and that's what we're supposed to do. But when youth minister to youth of another nation, we're talking generations being changed. Um, With my youth group, I've been, and mind you, let me just be very transparent. Five years ago, as my former boss says, I was lost as a goat in a snowstorm. Raised in church, new scriptures could talk to you, about anything, but had no foundational relationship. I had all that surface stuff that looks really good right here, but if you wanted to go any deeper with me, I'd be like, oh, yes, holy God. And then I would go and do whatever I wanted to do. Um, But having visions and dreams of hell will change your life. Can I just tell you, like when you're dreaming and you're falling and you hear gnashing of teeth and clawing and you feel flames, that'll do something for you. And, you know, that's just was part of my conversion and coming back, I mean, it just really was. And coming back, the, fir- I, the Lord took me right back, back where I left, and that was my youth group. And since we've been back, we've gone to, like, Colombia, We've gone to the Amazon. We've gone to Mexico. We went to Haiti this summer. And, like, to see American youth pour out to other youth of other nations – 'Cause any adult can go and they'll be like, Yes, that's an American adult. But to see their own ministering to them is an amazing thing. And I applaud you. And so um, whatever's given in the love gift for me, my basket is overrunning and I'm sewing into your youth ministry going overseas. Because that's like that's what's supposed to be happening. And like my whole like my okay, I'm getting off topic, but it's okay. My passion is youth, and seeing youth being empowered with what they're supposed to be empowered with, because the world exposes them to all kinds of crazy mess, and for some reason, we the church say that that's okay, because we church them at the church, and we church them at home, but when we walk them out the doors, we don't tell them that they're going to the mission field, and we don't tell them that they're to be examples, and light, and salt, and that they're supposed to look different, and feel peculiar, because they're royal, and there's no royalty here. So they're supposed to be different, and we're not teaching them that. So any way and any type and any how that we can tell them, show them, allow them to experience God working through them as tools, that's what we should be doing. Okay, that was my free sermon. <laughs> okay, so how do we respond to God's suddenlys? Well, I've had a couple of suddenlys, and what I do sometimes, and I'm immediately, yes, as was Noah. Genesis 5, Um, yeah, Genesis 5, I think it's 32, the last verse. It says, and Noah was 500 years old, and he has these sons. And then it goes on in verse, chapter 6, and it says how the men have become wild and wicked and It rises as a stench to the Lord, and he says, I can't even believe I made these men. I'm sorrowful that I've made men, which I couldn't imagine looking at this artwork that's around that the artist could look at and say, I can't believe I did that and want to destroy it. But the heart of God was so damaged, hurt, that he said, I must destroy it. And so he goes on, and he keeps saying how he's going to destroy it. And then in 6, verse 8, It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this was his genealogy, Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Not perfect that he didn't make mistakes and not perfect that he didn't sin, but that he knew how to apply the grace of God on his life to be in right standing. And, you know, in church we make words that are real simple. We make them harder, like righteousness, Righteousness is being in right standing, having no fault between me and you. Like, I can come to you, and you can come to me, and we're just all good. That's all right standing is, to be in a right relationship with. Noah was in such a right, close, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe that when God looked at the earth, he saw Noah and said, But there's Noah. I can do something with Noah. So it goes on, and it says that God talks again about how everything was evil. And then he gives them, like, he tells them to build the ark. And after you build the ark, you've got to do it by this measurement, and you got to use this kind of wood and this kind of pitch. And then I'm going to send all these animals to you, and it's going to be great. And all of these things are going to come. And so he gives them all of these instructions. And all it says about Noah, after all of the instructions from the throne room, Like the creator of the universe is speaking to a mere man and it says in verse 22, thus Noah did. According to that, God commanded, so he did. It just says Noah did. So an suddenly, moment came. God sees that there's wickedness on the earth. He can't allow it to go anymore. He sees a man who's in right standing full of God's grace and he goes, but Noah, I can save the world through you. And Noah's response was yes. And then the the recorder, Moses puts down, Noah just said, he did. Nothing fancy, no lightning bolts. He was just obedient. Just did it. Just did it. And then so he does it. And so then it goes on in 7. And from... From 13 to 22, it says all of these things. God gives directions. He talks about the punishment. He gives them the covenant. And it just says Noah did. And now, remember at the beginning, Noah's 500 years old. (laughs) Not even fully marinated good. Just 500 years old. And he works on this ark for 100 years. So if you think about it, I'm thinking he's probably like on a big piece of land because the ark was huge. And he's building this thing that he's never seen for a reason he doesn't really fully understand for something that he knows is coming that he's never seen. The earth had never seen rain. It had never seen waterways or waterfalls. It was just perfectly because it was still there from creation. So Noah's literally pulling down. He's like, first of all, there's no electricity He's got to get trees, gopher wood, which is supposed to be like some really strong wood. He's got to get gopher wood down and prepare it to be bent into a bow and a stern for something he's never seen. He doesn't know what a bow and a stern is. He's Noah. And the Bible doesn't tell us what Noah did before this, but all of a sudden he's a shipmaker because rain is coming and flood is happening. And those are words that are not even in his vernacular, that are not even in his mind. And all verse 22 says is Noah did. God spoke, Noah did. God told Noah to do something he never did before for something he's never seen for an outcome he had no idea but a promise. He had a promise. And like that rocks me a little bit to think that the creator of the universe can say, Stacy, I'm going to save generations through you, but you have to do this. And that in my little feeble mind, I can go, really? Like, no, I don't think that's going to work. All-knowing creator who's spoke a tree into being. Tree, tree. Like, literally, quickly. So Noah did. And then the world's saved, and there's Noah. Awesome. Um, Hebrews 11:7 says that Noah was a man of righteousness and that he had he was moved with godly fear. And then in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah's building this ark that he's never known, never seen, with tools that he probably had to make because I'm sure there wasn't like a hammer around or something that you would ever use to make a boat with, I don't even know, or how to make pitch. So he's doing all this stuff in his front yard. And I'm sure the neighbors are like, what's Noah's doing? And Second Peter says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah worked for 100 years and preached for 100 years. The end's coming. There's going to be a flood. I know you don't even know what a flood is, but the Lord told me a flood was this. And it looks like this. And it looks like rain. And then there's going to be these spouts of water. Noah, that's crazy. We've never had that before. How do you know that's going to happen? I don't know. God said it. God said it. I'm doing it. Noah did. So our first response could possibly be, and we did. We have a holy fear and we're just obedient. That's one response. Now, honestly in my life, that was not one of my responses. For example, I teach at um, Glenn Academy and I'm a U.S. history teacher. I did not study for U.S. history. I did not study for high school. I wanted to be in middle school, language arts. I want to have reading circles and let's talk about some literature and punctuation And grammar. let's just call it a day, little seventh graders, I love you. And I'm in my internship, and everything's going great. My principal loves me. The school loves me. The kids love me. I'm like, and in my head, it's done. I'm going to work at this middle school. I'm going to retire from this middle school. And great. And then my internship ends, and I graduate, and teachers are, some. a couple of teachers were pregnant, and there was, like, their due dates were coming, so they're like, you could, we have a plan, Stacey. You work from January to the end of the school year as a long-term sub. Then at the end of the school year, next fall, we'll just slip you in as a teacher. Yes, there's a plan. The principals talk to me about the plan. The vice principals have talked to me about the plan. The pregnant teachers have talked to me about the plan. Teachers who I don't even know are going, hey, I heard there's a plan for you here. I'm like, yes, obviously, this is where I'm supposed to be. Until the day that the Glen Academy principal calls and goes, hey, the HR lady just told me your name and said I have to meet you. So we're going to interview I was like, sure, I'll take an interview. And I go to the middle school principal, and I go, listen, don't freak out. I'm going to this interview. I'm just going for experience, because you should know how to talk to, like, those in authority. You know, you're the only principal I know in Glenn County, so I'm going to go meet this guy, have a conversation. I'm not interested. I do not want to teach there. And he's like, I'm not even worried about it, Stacey. Go. And, he, in fact, he tells me, you need to know this about the guy, you need to know this about the guy, and he likes this in the classroom, and he likes this kind of contact with parents. So there are some pointers, and I go, great. <laughs> so I go after school after teaching all day and I'm tired and my hair is like even wilder than it is I think my clothes were wrinkled and I go in his office and I'm like oh, hey how are you doing <laughs> so unprofessional because I already have a plan I'm going to teach at the middle school and I know that's where I'm going to teach and um, he's like so he's like hey just give me a 2nd um, some other people are coming and what I don't know is he's calling the middle school teachers that I'm working with he's like tell me about her like, what do I need to know? And she just goes, she's fabulous, but you can't hire her. We've got a plan for her. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so the other ladies come in, and I'm just chit-chatting. They're like, so tell me about the time when you did this in the classroom. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did this, blah, blah, blah. And tell me about a time about technology. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I love technology and, ooh, the smart boards. And, and I'm like, like, in my head, I'm thinking, wow, this is like such a boring interview. Like... They're not even throwing any hard questions. I'm not even freaked out. It's a good thing I'm going to be at the middle school because that's where I'm challenged, middle school. <clears throat> so I leave. And he's like, okay, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Waste of time. And I go to the middle school and I talk to the teachers. I'm like, yeah, dude, he's not going to hire me. And in fact, I forgot to tell you, one of my best friends applied for the job. And like <laughs> we're like, we're praying and fasting that you get this job. <laughs> and so she's like, how did your interview go? And I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. I'm like, he's definitely going to call you. So school gets out at 3.20. I work till about 4, 4.30, and I get home. Well, I check my, I get home, and there's a message, Stacy. This is Dr. Blankety Blank, and I want you to call me. This is 4 o'clock in the evening. Principals just don't talk to you after school. So I freak out, and I call my teacher, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's calling me. She's like, girl, you don't even understand. And she forwards an email, and the email says, best candidate so far. You better not, she better not be able to do her job. He's like, he's going to offer you the job. I'm like, well, I'm just going to say no. (laughs) And I remember going to my mom, I'm just going to say no. And she goes, would that be wise? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's hard for teachers to get jobs. Yeah, but I have a plan. So I go back to school. I'm like, hey, our plan's still good, right? And he's like, well, Stacy, you know, you can do the long-term sub. And there is a teacher retiring, but I'm not sure that's going to work. Like, you have an opportunity of a contract today, not in six months. Like, I can't guarantee in six months I can hire you. I want to. I really super-duper want to, but it's not a guarantee. Okay, hmm, so what happened to our plan? He goes, no, the plan's there, but it's not a surefire plan, like, you know. And the principal, of the middle school tells me, if I were you, uh, I might just really think about taking that job because you'll have a contract, and what you need is a contract to get in the county, and then I'll sloop. Then you can move back over. I'm like, oh, wait, so our plan's changed. Teach one semester, then come back? Yes, great. So I call him, I email him, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, I would love to work for you one semester, or work for you at Glen Academy. It will be awesome. So I go back, I'm like, hey, I just told him yes. And he goes, oh, no, you said yes. And I'm like, what, you just told me to say yes. <laughs> he goes, well, once you say yes and then you sign your contract, you're locked into the school for three years. Like, you can't just move to another school. <laughs> I'm like, but I don't know anything about high school. I know little monkeys. <laughs> I'm taller than the little monkeys. <laughs> little monkeys are still kind of scared of me. I don't know about big football players that like this. And they go, Ms. Taylor, I don't want to do that. I don't understand that stuff. I don't know anything about U.S. history. And at the time, I wasn't even teaching U.S. history. I was teaching world history, which is 5,000 years of history in 90 days, which is just crazy. I don't know anything about that. And my new principal goes, welcome aboard. Here's your roster. Here's your book. Go teach. What do you mean go teach? So last semester was, yeah, I'll do it, I guess, because you told me to. But little did I know that was the exact place where I was supposed to be to affect change for Glenn County. How did I know? Had I not said yes, I wouldn't have four parents in my classroom, and I'm helping them with services and how to be parents and how to make wiser choices. I wouldn't be able to tell a child, you know, that doesn't sound like a wise decision. What Miss Stacy would do is, or what Miss Taylor would do is, I'd pray about it first. I wouldn't have an access to a generation that's going to go change. Like, like they're graduating in two years. They're going to be adults. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have that access. I was kind of like Jonah. God says to Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Get up, go to Nineveh. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy that great city. And what you don't know about Nineveh, it's like 1,700 acres and walled with 15 gates on these big, huge walls. It was a the east bank of the Tigris River. See, this is my world history coming out. East bank of Tigris River, huge commercial port coming in and out. So they had all kinds of people coming in and out. They had a god for the city, and it's Ishtar somebody. She's irrelevant because she's not even real. And no, Jonah says in the, second, in the first verse, the, the first chapter, the second verse, it goes, Jonah got up and went to Tars. <laughs> the opposite direction. Like, had he gone where he was supposed to gone, it was going to take three days to walk. He goes to the opposite direction, like by four days, and tried to get on a boat. And you know the story, the cast lots, it's your fault. The sailors go, what have you done? Who are you? He's like, I'm a Hebrew of the living God, and I've angered him. Just throw me over, you'll be okay. <laughs> so for three days, Jonah sits in the belly of a fish. And in his prayer, it's like, he literally says, seaweeds wrapped around me and bowels are floating by my feet. I'm thinking, yeah, dude. If you just walked three miles the other way, and did what the Lord told you, you wouldn't be in stench. So he repents. The fish throws him up. I'm sure that was not great. He goes, Could you imagine? <laughs> like my dad was a fisherman, and like I remember him taking me fishing. He's like, and this is how. And then I've like dated guys who are fishermen. And go, this is how you clean it. <laughs> and you know, I'm like, oh, that is the nastiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's what he was swimming in. I mean, or praying in. So he goes to Nineveh, he preaches, hello, you're going to die, hear the word of the Lord, in the whole city, which was about, I think the Bible says, 120,000 people go, you're absolutely right, we all got to stop this. They repent, they fast and they pray, and God goes, ah, I received that, I won't punish you. And Jonah goes, say what? Wait a minute. I've done been in a fish. You threw me out of the fish. I came and did what you want to do, and now you're not even going to destroy them? And he's like, that was never the purpose. The purpose was repentance and salvation. Like, they had to have a chance to be redeemed. I'm a God of redemption. I could have killed you in the fish. I let you go do, finish the work. He finishes the work and he gets mad, which is crazy. But I've done the same thing. He gets mad, and he goes, and he sits down by the city gates, and God grows up this bush and a tree, and it covers him, and he's not in the sun anymore, and then the worm comes. God lets the worm come, eat up the tree, and he's like, and now the sun's on me? You've killed the tree? He goes, okay, wait a minute. You're more upset about the tree than the lives that were saved. Like, get a clue. Okay, so the Lord told me to get a clue. Um, so I was born and raised in Brunswick. I went to Oral Roberts University like the 15 year plan like I was there I was doing work I kind of wasn't doing work I think it was like year number five I was like forget this I'd rather just hang out and work I've got a personality I can just sell anything I've sold knives I like programming pamphlets magazines really good it's making decent money living in straight up sin my mom's home my mom's doing things like this Stacey, you know the Lord has a plan for you. I know, he does. I'll talk to you later, Mom. Bye. <laughs> I'm praying for you and your boyfriend. I want you guys to come to the full knowledge of the Lord. I know. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. One of my Christmas presents was like the Women's Daily Devotion Bible. <laughs> Stop it. And in the Bible was this verse, Matthew six thirty-three. And that verse, like that Bible in that verse, every time I looked at it and saw it, and if you don't know what Matthew 6.33 says, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, my whole thing was I wanted the things <laughs> without going to the source. I wanted to be the source of my things, and I have, I have nothing, so why can't you get anything from nothing? But that's what I was doing. So every time I would look at that Bible or I would see it, <laughs> I would do really smart things. I would like, put it underneath something in the back of the Bible, I mean in the back of my closet. And then, of course, I had to go in my closet and see something. The Bible would fall. I'm like, oh. And so I would, was going from boyfriend to boyfriend and job to job. And then ended up my dad was ill, and I came back home and um, was still as lost as the goat in a snowstorm. And my mom was like, we're on this, like, really of less than five miles. And I was like, yeah, I'll see you later. I'm helping father. <laughs> but that was a good time because I was able to reconcile a relationship with him that I didn't have. I live in Brunswick for about two or three years, and I'm working at Sea Island, and I'm making good money because I have no debt. So no, no debt, nothing to spend it on. I own my house. I just partied some more because that's what you do when you're foolish. And my roommate goes, hey, let's go. Let's blow this town. Let's see where we can go. So we went into Boston. Boston is entirely too cold. She's like, well, I've got family in Miami. <laughs> I can check out Miami. We go to Miami. We end up moving to Miami in like less than six weeks, or eight, six weeks. And I live in Miami for like three years. Still lost. Still acting crazy like a fool. My mom's still saying things like, the Lord has a plan for you and God loves you. And I'm like, yeah, just stop it. But I get in this relationship with this guy who's straight up crazy. But he was from Hawaii. He just had a different mentality. He just, because he was born and raised in Hawaii. And then he'd been in the military. So like, it was just a whole lot of stuff going on. Like, it was just a whole lot of stuff going on. So... He has an opportunity to go back to Hawaii, his home state. And he's like, Come with me. Psh, why not? I'm not doing anything else. So I get to Hawaii, and it's like, I'm kind of like Jonah. I'm going as far as I can because in the back of my head, the Lord's going, You know, Stacey, this is crazy. Stop being crazy. Stop. And I'm thinking, I need a pill. <laughs> I'm hearing voices. And he's still talking to me and he's pulling me. And then, like, random people, like, I worked at Starbucks, like, I was a Starbucks manager here, like, in Miami, and then when I got there, I was like, "Ah, i just pick up a part-time job, and, like, tourists would come, and they were like, the Lord loves you, and I'm like, are you saying that to everyone? Like, okay, thank you, here's your latte, see you later, aloha! (laughs) Like, I gotta take a break, and so I would take, I would do, like, substances, and I would drink, and I would party, and, like, all that stuff was just still hollow, so where it took Jonah three days, it took me, like, 15 years, something crazy, and so I realized stuff is getting crazier <laughs> and not better. And I started going to this little like community type church and it was like the non-threatening, Jesus loves everyone. Oh yes, do that. But just come to church. And I was like, yes, I could get with this gospel. This is real. It's not confronting my sin. <laughs> you know, and I'm like this is good. Let's all go to this church. So, yes, yeah, see? See, Lord, I'm going to the church. Quit talking in my head. Well, The thing about it is, it's not (laughs) confrontational, but he's still reading the Bible that I know is true, and I know that's alive, so I'm still getting fed. So I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just do the church thing. Well, then it gets real crazy. Like, my mom comes out to visit, and she sees how I'm living, and it's just, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my mom is seeing me in sin. We are Southern. We don't do this. Especially no holy people of the south. We don't do this, so that added more fire to the situation. And then one night, literally, I was like, like I was, I went to a, through a period of time where I was just like crying, and I would just cry myself to sleep. And my boyfriend at times was like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "Yes," and there'd just be tears rolling, or I'd wake up in the middle of the night crying. So this one night, I go to sleep, and I'm like, "I just can't cry anymore. I'm so tired of crying." And so finally, I go to sleep. And it's like the best sleep I'd had like in months. I'm like, oh, this is great. And, Like in my dream, I'm asleep, but I'm still very alert. Does that make sense? Because the spirit was moving. And okay, wait. Let me tell you some crazy stuff that was happening. Like these are the things that were happening in my life, and I realize, and I don't realize the hand of God is on me. Like where our bed was, and where our where our bedroom was. Right, out, it was a sliding glass, and we had like a um a hot tub sauna thing, where on the side of that was a propane tank. And we lived up the side of a mountain, so you had to drive up to get to us. Well, his co-worker's daughter is driving this truck, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, drunk out of her mind. She comes up, and she hits, she misses the tank by, like, six inches. She hits the the hot water, the hot, yeah, the hot tub, slams into the side of our house, and we all wake up, because his sister and stuff, we all wake up, and we're like, whoa, that's crazy. And we go outside, and like, literally, you could see, like, the marks were like, it was like, the hand of the Lord moved her car around the tank. And I mean, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh. And then my fake sister-in-law goes, do you see that? I'm like, yes, do you see how her wheels have turned? She was drunk. She couldn't have done that. She's like, I know. She goes, it must have been God. I'm like, let's go back to sleep. <laughs> Or we'd be, like, <laughs> out swimming. Okay, and first of all, the currents in Hawaii are, like, nothing like our currents. They're just wilder and crazy. And so we'd be out snorkeling, and I would get stuck in coral. Like, my T-shirt or something would get stuck in coral, and I couldn't get free. Like, I should have drowned. Like crazy, like, crazy stuff was just happening. Or, like, I would get in an argument with the ex-boyfriend, and he has tons of guns. And I'm like, I'm just going to get a gun. Like, just, like, stuff that was not even in my mind. All the hand of God. So back to my dream. I'm sleeping, and it's a really good sleep. I'm alert, but I'm very asleep. And all of a sudden, I feel like I fell off of the side of the bed. And I did one of these numbers, and I'm like, well, I'm still on the bed now. I was on drugs. So I was like, oh, this is a bad trip. Like, it hasn't stopped. Like, it's still going. So I'm like, okay. Like, so in myself, I was like, okay, this is just a bad trip. I'm going to keep going with it because enlightenment or something will come. Well, I'm falling down. That's never a good thing. Um, So I'm falling down and I'm falling down and it's getting darker and it's getting darker and um, it's darker and then it's starting to get hot on my back. I'm like, that's weird. But I'm still falling and then I start hearing these sounds. And they're not like sounds you hear in horror movies because that's man-made. These are like guttural demonic Gnawing, scratching sounds, and like to the point that even in like, I remember doing like like this in my sleep, and like my skin just felt weird, and I could feel the hairs on like every hair was just alert. And I remember feeling over, and like he was still there, and like he was not alert to what I was happening. So I'm like, whoa, like I want to wake him up, but no, like this is gonna something's gonna come of this. Is what I kept keep thinking. And then the screams started, and the scream, and it was getting hotter, and I was falling faster. And I was like, at one point, I was like, whoa, I'm going to hell. Like, literally, that was my thought. Like, I am falling in hell. you got to be kidding me. How am I going to hell was literally my thought. Not that I'm living in sin and I'm away from the Lord, <laughs> but how am I going to hell? I know stuff. There's no way for me to go to hell. And it's getting hotter and hotter, and the voice of the Lord comes. He goes, if you died tonight, you would go here, and you would never see your mother again. Man, I sat up so quick, and I, like, looked around, and it was, like, everything was, like, back to normal, and I was, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to hell, <laughs> so then, and then it's not funny, but, so I woke up the next morning, and I go to work, I mean, going to hell is never funny, I wake up the next morning, and they're, like, hey, are you okay, and I'm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, everything's great I'm going to hell everything's great and I go to work and I'm like finding every Christian radio station I can find and I'm like trying to remember I remember like what was that scripture there's a rainbow that's a promise in the bible something about a flood and I'm like everything I'm like looking for scripture in all these different places was getting worse like the home life is getting worse and we're arguing more and um it was Thanksgiving of whatever the year this was I guess five years ago and We had this argument, and I remember standing in the kitchen, and I had these knives, because remember, I told you I sold knives. So I had these really fancy knives, Well, maybe I didn't, but I did sell knives. I had these fancy knives, and I looked at, he said something behind me, and the thought happened, this thought came to mind, I was like, I could pick up that knife, catch the tip, flip it over my back, and stab him in the back, and get out before somebody catches me. And I was like, wow, that was not Jesus. I was like, I have to get out of here. So Thanksgiving, then Monday after Thanksgiving, I'm driving to work again, and I'm a hot mess, tears, crying, and I'm selling real estate, so, like, you can't look bad when you're selling real estate to people who are coming to the islands for happiness. So, I'm, like, crying, I'm in traffic, I'm stuck, and I call my mom. And she goes, hey. And what kind of always used to make me mad is she was always happy. I'm miserable. She's super happy. She's like, hey, good morning. How are you? I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, really, Stacy? She's like, well, have you prayed? Is the Lord saying anything to you? I'm like, Stop talking about Jesus and I was like yes she's like what is he saying I'm like come home she's like well come home and I was like but no I got my stuff is here and then he's here and then what about the kid blah 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 blah." and so she's like eh well if he told you to come home I'm just saying home is open and then she goes into her counseling voice like, it's like the most soothing thing you've ever heard. And you're just like, absolutely, I will drink the Kool-Aid, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> and she's like, Stacy, you know, people here, they love you, and you blah, 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 you still have friends here. And I'm, I'm, like, driving. So I get to work, and I walk through the door, and my friend, who is our secretary, looks at me, and she goes, girl, what's going on? I'm like, I'm quitting. She goes, you're quitting. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm just here to give notice. She's like, no, you're here to work your shift. I'm like, no, I'm giving notice, and I'm cleaning out my desk. I'm done. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I think so. And I get back in my truck, and I drive to the beach, and I call another friend who's a travel agent. And I say, look, I got to get out of here. And then she was a friend of the family. So the next statement was like, "And do not put this on Coconut Wireless and share it with everyone. Like, this is private. And she's like, oh, absolutely, which meant I'm going to tell everyone as soon as I get off the phone. <laughs> and I said, look, I need a ticket to the mainland, um, Jacksonville, And just see what it costs for one way. Like, see, you know, round trip. But If it's cheaper one way, I'll take it one way. Now, I lived on Kauai, which is almost the the furthest north you could go without getting to, like, the protected islands. Normally, those tickets are, like, thousands of dollars round trip. This, again, was the Monday after Thanksgiving. She's an agent. She does her click-to-click. She calls me back. She's like, girl, you ain't gonna believe this. A one-way ticket from Kauai to Jacksonville is, like, $385. And so... At that point, I was like, oh, Jesus, you're actually kind of serious about this. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, put a hold on it, and I'm going to call you back. (laughs) So I call my mom, and I'm like, yeah, well, I really don't have the money, but it's like $384 and some change. She's like, oh, put it on my credit card. I was like, oh, so we're really going to do this. And then this is how, I mean, of course I should have known those things were the Lord, but this is how I knew it was the Lord we were in an argument, me and X, ex, and I have, like, we were in the house, but not talking, like, ugh, not that you guys would ever know that, but we were, like, in the house, and we were not speaking, and, like, it was just tension, and so he came in, and I'm, like, Oprah's going on, and I'm, like, have boxes out, and I'm just, like, putting things in boxes, but I'm not saying anything, and he comes in, and he looks at me, and he's, like, what are you doing? I'm, like, okay, so this is not working, so all I need is like a ride to the airport, if you don't mind, on this date, and I'm going to ship some things, and I'm going to take some things, and I'm thinking we just need to do this. And the man who was, slight, was violent, volatile, and straight up out of his mind, got in the bed and curled up in the fetal position and started crying. And I went, whoa. I was like, okay, so you're serious. So, Two years later, I'm sitting at PWAC and Natasha's going, You're going to preach the gospel because you know it. Say what? We can be obedient through holy fear of God, immediate, or through rebellious, yes, but it's still rebellious. In Luke or Mark, Mark, it's in my notes, watch this. Mark 1, <laughs> verse 16. Jesus. John the Baptist goes to jail. Jesus is walking along, and he walks by these fishermen. And he's like, hey, you and you, come with me. And the Bible says they immediately left their nets and they followed. They immediately left their nets and followed. He keeps walking. He sees the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And it says that James and John left their daddy and their boats and their hired hands. They weren't poor men. They weren't poor men. They had everything they needed, and they just left. They left their family. And the Bible says immediately, and it says, and it was the Sabbath, so they went to the synagogue, and Jesus began to speak on the scriptures and the scrolls, and they were amazed at his knowledge. Like, that's amazing. Like, God in flesh said, come, and they followed. But then it says later on in Luke 18, he's preaching. He's had these miracles. And it says a certain ruler comes to him. And the ruler says, look, I've got the commandments down. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. How can I follow you? What do I need to do? Jesus goes, well, you've missed one. You really don't love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. So what you need to do is sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And then the Bible says he turned away full of sorrow, for he was a wealthy man. He had stuff we really only have two responses when the Lord says, and suddenly. It's an immediately, oh my gosh, the creator of the universe has just spoken and I say yes and I do. Or I say no in rebellion. And the thing about it is, God is so gracious and so loving. When we say no, he just goes, okay. <sighs> okay. Okay. Until we turn around and say, actually, I'm really going to do that. I'm going to do what you told me to do. Like, he told me to come back and finish my degree. I had no, I'm like, look, I'm with people, I can sell anything. I, give me an Eskimo, he will buy a deep freezer for me. Like, I don't need a degree. And he says, finish your degree because I have work for you to do. And I finished my degree, and for what I thought it was, it's something totally different. But because I'm obedient, I'm fully blessed. Fully blessed. Fully blessed. I left my youth group full of rebellion and sin and I go back to my youth group as a leader helping the next generation. Like that's a God kind of thing. Like I can't do that. There's nothing in me that is good that would say, Stacy, get texts at 3 o'clock in the morning to answer stupid questions about boys who really they're not going to marry. Like that's just not, that's not me. But it's what I want to do because that's what he's put in me. So my question to you is this. What is the last thing the Lord told you to do? The very last thing. Or that he offered for you. Or he said, and suddenly you could. And suddenly and this opportunity came. What was that? Okay. Was your response yes? If it was, watch out. Because another suddenly is because coming. Because if he can trust you with little things, more things are to come. If he trusts you with little things, more things are to come. But if you're in suddenly, you're like, eh, not so much. My challenge is to revisit and repent and get on with whatever it is he told you to do. Because it's something greater than you and what you think you need to be doing. It has to do with the next generation coming behind you. And that could be a teen. That can be an elderly person. That can be an addict. That could just be your neighbor. It could be someone like in your church. So this is what I'm saying. This is, and I'm done. What was the last thing the Lord told you to do? What was your response? And then do you need to get that response right with the Lord? And if your response was on spot and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, okay, get ready, because things are increasing and they're speeding up. For example, I had no intentions on teaching high school. I really had no intentions on teaching for a long time. And I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> literally sometimes. But he's put me in a place of influence. And when you have a place of influence, you're responsible for those that you're influencing. You're responsible. Whether it's a parent, a pastor, just if you go to Walmart and people see you, you're responsible for that. Because the hope of glory is alive inside of you. So when people see you, they should see hope and glory. And that's a heavy burden. But it's not our burden. We just have to be obedient. We just have to be obedient. So I'll leave you with that. What's your obedient level? Is it immediate? Is it three days? Like me, 15 years? But the point is, you got to be obedient. And if you don't, that's fine. The Lord is still waiting. And the thing about it is, he's worse than a hound dog. He will outweigh you. And he can't outweight you. And he will outweight you. And he will just sit there and he'd be like, Look at there, Gabriel. There she goes. I promise you, there's days I think I've heard the Lord laugh. Like, she really thinks she's doing something. Hello, you're on a plane, I can see you. Where are you going? Lord bless you.
0: Lord is worse than a hound dog. He will outwait you. It's not copyrighted it music as I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> I appreciate the testimony and the witness and the word and the way that Stacy has related the question. There's still a question and Lord's given her a gift. And uh, But it's still a question. question is obedience or disobedience. I had someone tell me one time, um, the gospel's easy. Only got to do one thing. Just one. All you got to do is one thing, and that's obey. That's, that's all God asks. Let's, uh, let's stand up and, and let, let, let's, let's pray for just a minute, okay? Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. We are a rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-headed people. Lord, we come from a long line of rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-headed people. But God, we want to change, and we want to change now. Father, every single person here, I'm looking out every single person here, they know what the last thing was you told them. Some have obeyed and some have not obeyed. Lord, for those who have obeyed, I thank you for that. And Lord, for those who have disobeyed and not done that last thing they heard you say, we ask you, dear God, that right now is the moment of decision. That they could turn or return and obey. Lord, every single person in here, and I'll just declare every single person in here has a much bigger destiny and a much bigger role in the kingdom which is now than anything you've ever possibly imagined or realized. And the key to getting into the expanse of what God has called you to do is obeying today because, like Stacy said, if you're faithful in the little things, more things will be added. And Lord, on the last day, what we want to do is lay our crowns and our accomplishments before you and declare them to be yours. So right now, dear God, in the spirit, we just draw a line. And we say onward and forward and obedience and open ears and open minds and open spirits. Because God, we never know whenever the last, when it may be the last thing you ever tell us. Because there's a point at which it's over. And God, I and we want to fulfill everything you put in our hands to do. We don't know how to do that, and we really don't necessarily know what it looks like. But as you build that in our lives, Lord, the canvas and the, and the painting on the canvas becomes so much clearer. So, God, I'm asking you today, continue to work in our hearts and our lives. And, Lord, give give the ones of us who, who haven't try, hadn't quite got there yet, haven't quite fully committed, Lord, Um, I ask you, dear God, for a wrestling of your spirit and a convincing of your spirit, Lord, that would allow them and us to all get this thing headed in the right direction. That's what we're after, Lord. That's what you're after. And, Lord, we wait on you to see what you're going to do. We just simply say we're ready. In Jesus' name, amen.